I'm going to start us off with a loaded question. Are you and your spouse on the same page financially? Maybe, maybe not. We all have different things we can work on our relationships, and finances is usually one of them. We're going to answer an important question by one of our community members in our show today, and we are doing our second part of our Australian adventure, and we are recording live from Uluru, which is really nice and really beautiful, and I'll let Taylor tell you all about it. Welcome to your financial residency, without the long hours and sleepless nights. What up, everyone? This is Taylor. I am looking out the window at Ayers Rock right now. It's beautiful desert scenery here, and we are having a great time. So Ryan and I flew up to Uluru from Melbourne. It's a very long couple of flights up here. We've done some hiking around the rock. We also visited the Olgas, which is another rock formation in the middle of the desert. I took Ryan on a very long and strenuous hike through the Olgas. We biked around Uluru Rock. It was beautiful. And I even woke Ryan up pre-5 a.m. to be the first one to the sunrise photos. He was not happy about it, but we got some pretty amazing pictures. And then also we saw the Milky Way and planets in the sky last night. It was so cool. There's just nothing out here. We're in the middle of nowhere and it's been great to relax and recharge for a little bit. So on this show, we're going to answer a listener question that we both feel is very important. Here it is. In the first year into the practice, how do you go about dividing and managing responsibilities if you and your wife both are physicians. Part of it is also about opening up and uh, discussing it genuinely and seriously. But any insight with this will be greatly helpful. The main reason for me asking you is because me and my wife have gotten into a lot of disagreements whenever we start talking about finances. More so because we haven't been upfront with each other in terms of our you know, savings or equities. Something to note is we both are third and fourth year into the wed marriage, but have been only living together since past year and a half. So we are also learning each other as, as we go through this. Thank you. Appreciate your help. What a great question. Thank you so much for calling that in. And if anyone else, just a heads up, wants to call in and question like this and potentially have us answer it on air, you can do so at financialresidency.com slash question. Now, I want to talk about the first part of your question, which is about dividing and managing finances for dual physicians. And this also could be just two busy working professionals, one physician and one doing something different. It doesn't necessarily mean that you both have to be physicians to have this information be relevant to you. But really, it's about dividing and conquering the first part of your finances, which is, I think, the biggest part, and it's around getting organized. And I did a whole show on how to get organized and the steps to do that. And you can download our one-page guide that I actually put out that'll really help kind of sparks or give you a catalyst on getting those stuff organized and, and things together. But Dividing and conquering that little piece will actually start opening communication. It'll start working in your favor to eventually tackle your your second question, which I think is going to be the bigger piece of how do you get on the same page. Now, Taylor and I, in the very beginning of our relationship, when we joined bank accounts, we did so even prior to being married. And it was because we had been together for all four years of college, 
all four years of, of med school and three years into residency. And for those that are going to do the math, it did take me 10 years to marry a doctor, as everyone <laughs> likes to remind me. But as we were basically in residency and money was tight, of course, and student debts and all the other fun stuff of living in Southern California, one of the things that we tackled was banking structure. And that allowed us to start experiencing money jointly together, even before getting married. Now, while you guys are already married and trying to do this after the fact, it, it doesn't matter. It's totally fine if you start baby stepping in together and having joint finances. And I've done a whole show on joint finances as well. But probably actually going to be doing another one because we get questions around combining finances and joint finances so much that I think we probably need to retouch on this. But as Taylor and I were starting to put the work together in joining finances, we essentially had a really cool structure. Tay, do you want to talk a little bit on the structure? Hey, everyone. It's Casey from Physician Wealth Services. Getting on the same page financially with your significant other is such an important part of working together to achieve your individual and common goals. If aligning your long-term goals with your resources is important to you and you want a financial advisor to help you create that plan, make sure to reach out to us at physicianwealthservices.com. We are fee-only fiduciaries and help hundreds of physicians in all 50 states, so don't keep putting off taking action and reach out to us to book a free intro call today. Okay, let's get back to hear more, and I'll see you guys on Friday. Sure. So before we got married, our accounts were linked just so that we could pay bills and rent and all the practical things. And we each would put money into a joint account and then the joint expenses would come out of that. Once we got married, Ryan really wanted to merge everything together. And I think it doesn't matter if you're making resident salary or making attending salary. I think we were each making around the same amount of money and all that money would go in and then where would it go? And I didn't like the feeling of, okay, now I've made all this money. I'm married to Ryan and now I can't spend any of it. Like, how is this going to work? And then I also felt guilty spending the money because all of our money was going together. Whereas before we got married, I did whatever I wanted. I wasn't a big spender, but I didn't feel guilty about going out and going shopping and buying new shoes or something. So Ryan created a banking structure where we each had a separate personal account for spending money to buy whatever we wanted. So we had joint account that all of our money flowed into and then savings or something. I don't really know what happened with that. Ryan managed that. And then we had a separate spending account. And Ryan had his spending. I had my spending. We had a separate credit card for our spending account versus our joint account. I don't really remember. All I know is that I had the separate credit card that I never use or hardly ever use because it's hard to keep track of. And when I wanted to buy something, I'd just buy it with a joint card and then transfer the money over if I could figure that out. And that lasted for maybe a year. And then we got rid of that because it, it wasn't working. But it was a nice way to ease our way into fully joint accounts. Well, it was working. It was doing the whole purpose it was designed to, which was to baby step us into joint accounts because we didn't know how we would spend and we didn't know how we would judge each other or if we would judge each other or how those things would work without it. And I think it's really funny. You remember the spending accounts, but not what the joint checking did, which is what paid all of our bills. That's how that works. So the, the way that it, it high level is you have three joint checking accounts. One is literally titled joint you know, family checking, and then the other two are titled in your individual names. So in our case, it was Ryan spending, Taylor spending. These were joint accounts, so we all had access. But any money that was inside there, we could spend on whatever we wanted. You could say we could bank it up for six months and then buy something really nice. Or we could spend all of it every month and 
wait for the next month of automated transfers to come through, and then rinse and repeat. And automated transfers are really, really important in this because you want to set a certain amount that you both can spend without having to think about it or to move money. And then like Taylor said, when she was putting stuff on the credit card, then we just move the money from Taylor's spending account to that joint credit card. And that allowed us to essentially have joint finances, but baby step into truly being joint. And it lasted about a year. And then we realized that, hey, look, neither of us are going to blow up our finances. We're not having really any arguments or discussions that are serious in disagreements on money. So let's just go and do a full merge and and then I've told you guys about how we control our accounts now with multiple savings for goals and all of that stuff. One of the big things that I think would be really important, though, for you guys is to understand who is going to be responsible for what. Now, obviously, in my household, I'm the money nerd and I like doing this stuff. So Taylor is happy to give it up, just like I don't like the medical side of things. And I let her handle all of my medical appointments and all of the physicians and all that stuff. That is all her domain, what medicines we give the kids or don't give the kids, not up to me. That is Taylor's realm. She's an expert. I let her do it. And I naturally like doing the finances. But if we weren't like that, and a lot of our clients aren't like that, then what would I say? Well, I'd, I'd actually tell you divide and conquer between investments and what money is actually being saved versus the outflow of money that is being spent every month. So one is cash flow and one is investments. And if you guys can have one of you master each side of this and kind of take responsibility for that, and it might, you might flip. You might try it out and then realize, mm, I don't like this as much, and you might flip, and that's totally fine. But as long as you, one person's managing the outflow of money, the other person's managing the investments, the inflow of money to investments, which you can automate, by the way, then I think that's a good step. If you're both type A and you want to be in control and want to see everything, then I think you need to have a budgeting software that allows you both to control. And I would set weekly meetings in order. It doesn't need to be hour long plus meetings, but weekly meetings on, hey, what do we expect to spend? What's coming up? Recently, we've been talking a lot about YNAB, and we've actually brought in an expert on YNAB who's also been on the show, my good friend Nick True with Mapped Out Money. And he has helped even myself and the business Physician Wealth Services Understand forecasting and using that software and how critical it is when you're doing cash flow planning to have certain roles and responsibilities. And so I think that if you guys are both type A personalities using a software like that where you both have access, you both have it on your phone and you have weekly 15 minute check ins on this is what we expect to spend. This is what we spent. And eventually one of you will take over that role. Someone will basically give first and it might take a year, but one of you will end up liking to do that more than the other. But that's how I would start through this. So for all of you that don't know, YNAB stands for you need a budget, like Y-N-A-B. First, I was like, YNAB, like W-H-Y-N-A-B. What is this thing that Ryan keeps talking about? So budgeting software to help you budget. I do not like to budget at all. And for those of you that don't like to budget, it's nice just to see where things are going to identify where you're at, not to restrict things, just to see where you're at. And a big thing that I think is important to help divide and manage finances is – 
to talk about life planning. So the things that are important to you, and it doesn't have to be sitting down, we're going to talk about what's important in life and figure out how we want to spend our money. But it's more just about having deep conversations about the things that you like, the things that you enjoy, what you want to get out of life. If traveling is important to you, setting aside money for traveling, if you'd rather live in a nice house, or if you'd rather have really nice things, you have to figure out what's the most important thing. And you can have whatever you want in that realm, but you can't have everything. You can't have a big house and all the nice things and travel all the time. I would get so annoyed with Ryan setting aside a budget for travel. I'm like, if I want to travel, I just want to travel. I don't have to set aside and plan for the year. But now I see why that's important because we're here in Australia and Ryan has budgeted for it and saved up credit card points. So now we're not spending a whole lot or what we are spending is saved and set aside. And it doesn't matter that we're going out for dinner or going to do fun activities. Tonight we are going to the Field of Lights at Uluru, which is this amazing dinner experience where you get to see all these lights and sunset and stars in the sky and it's going to be awesome and it's expensive if I looked at the price without knowing that Ryan had budgeted for it it would make me feel a little bit stressed out just because I'm not a big spender but Ryan's built that in so that while we're on vacation we're relaxing and having a good time so just talking life planning figuring out what's important for you I think is the most important thing for trying to get finances on the same page for two people of any background. Yeah. I mean, I set aside money for us to go do travel and it wasn't just this trip for this year. We have some other smaller, much smaller trips planned, nothing like Australia again for this year. But we'd been planning this trip for over a year since they asked me to speak last year when I was talking with Steve about his conferences. Now, what I'd like to just kind of highlight really quickly is the fact that, you know, we are going to go to this really nice expensive dinner that normally we are not nice expensive dinner people at all. But this is a really kind of one of a kind, you know, once in a lifetime experience that we want to go do. And so in our travel budget, I obviously made sure that we planned a lot of these things, but there's the unexpected. And so I always kind of inflate the amount that we're trying to save into this travel category because it's so important to us. Do we need the nicest new TVs and things like that? No, we barely watch TV. And I was tempted even on Black Friday, Cyber Monday to get a new TV because our TV, while it's nice, it's older. It's like nine years, eight years, nine years old, something like that. And it keeps literally turning on and off. I actually don't know the reason behind it or why, but something, something's loose, something's off. And so like randomly it'll turn off and I kind of get annoyed. And so I'm like, Taylor, I'm sick of this. I just want to get a new TV. And it's like Cyber Monday coming up and they're not that expensive. And then, you know, she reminds me, is that your why? And I was like, actually, no, I don't really care about a TV that much and I barely watch it. So why would I need a brand new one? And so we can turn around and use that money right to different fun things like we're doing tonight. Granted, the dinner tonight is not nearly as much as a TV would be. But the point is, is that as you're putting these things together and you're talking through life planning and you're getting to the core of what is important and what makes you happy, that is something that will become evident throughout all of your financial decisions and really help cement your guys' relationship, one, but two, really help you guys divide and conquer on your finances and figure out what makes you happy and allocating more funds to that. And you guys will quickly get on the same page if you're open and honest about the parts that make you happy. So on the second part of your question, you wanted to discuss kind of how to get on the same page. And I think there's a couple degrees of 
how far off you may or may not be that I don't know in your specific question, but I'll kind of just talk in generality on, on some of these. So the first one would be is that for the most part, you're on the same page. It's not like a one's a spender and one's a saver and you're having massive disagreements with that. If that's the case, I think money dates are the perfect thing and everyone's money date is going to look different. I'll let Taylor kind of tell you about our most recent money dates, which make us laugh. But some people they're, Hey, let's go out to dinner please don't bring your laptop computer and bust out a spreadsheet. I learned on our first money date, spreadsheets are not a good idea because Taylor's not a spreadsheet person. But what is that? Everyone's love language. The spreadsheet was not her love language. But everyone's money dates are different. It could be going out to eat. It could be just sitting on the couch with popcorn and you know wine or whatever you want to do. Ours are a little bit different. Taylor, why don't you talk about our last money date? I think Ryan sneaks in these money dates that are technically money dates and I don't realize what's coming at me. And so it just seems like a normal conversation, which is also a very sly and clever way to do a money date. But most of the time when we're checking in about money, I mean, it's at dinner, both the kids are there chirping in the background and telling us their favorite part of their day. We always ask that at dinner time. And then as a side note, Ryan's talking about finances. Hey, this is where we're at for this month. We spent a lot of money here. This is where we're going. And I'm like, yep, sounds good. And throw in my two cents if I have any, but usually it's just a quick check-in of, yep, we're doing good and the kids are there and we're involving them in finances too. So we do talk about money in front of them just so that they're exposed to it and they know what money is. And it's funny because Wyatt will ask us questions like, do we have money for that? Do we have $25 for this thing? It's like, well, yeah, but do we want to spend it on that? So he's funny. So we are including our kids on our money dates so they get exposure to money and finance things and they know what it is. And we also ask them if they if there's something they want to buy, we ask them if it makes them happy, if it's their why. So they start to understand that language now as young little ones. Yeah, we're starting this at age five and three. And there's a couple other things that we're starting to do and a few things I can't wait to start doing. But even at Halloween, they learned about daddy tax right? They get to keep some, daddy gets to keep some. It's the tax of living in the house, which my son did not understand at all, but it was really fun to experiment with. And so I think we should do a whole show today on on how we're working with our kids. And, and then I can kind of explain as your kids get older too, some of the other things you can do. Some of the things I honestly can't wait for with them. But I'd say, you know, in, in this beginning part, you know, the money date is important. If you're kind of at the next stage where one person is a spender and the other one's a saver and you're kind of having some disagreements. I I really think the life planning is going to come into play. This is where you're going to ultimately figure out where it is that you like spending money. And really the person that is the spender is probably going to have the biggest mindset change out of all of that because they need to understand what actually makes them happy. And most people and I won't say everyone, but most people spend too much on things like Amazon. And you actually don't know where it goes. And I see all the memes, they're hilarious with Target. And I've seen just even one recently that was, you know, husbands, please don't ask your wives where all the money went at Target. We just went in for something, you know, sponge and came out with a $100 receipt. And the, the same thing is true with Amazon. And so when one person is a spender, understanding what they're spending money on and why they're doing it. Maybe some of those things are a necessity. We get things like dog food and at the time we needed diapers and wipes and stuff for the kids. Our Amazon bill was higher than we normally would have it or higher than now because we normally don't need diapers and wipes and everything. But that was stuff that kind of got factored in the budget that were fixed costs that we really needed and you know that were essentially spent. Sometimes there was certain things that would hit 
inside of Amazon that were variable expenses. And that's totally fine as long as you're planning for it or as long as you think through and go, is this actually making me happy? Or is it that kind of dopamine hit the rush of, oh, I just purchased this and then the boxes come and you get to open the boxes and then essentially it sits somewhere in the corner or in a drawer. So getting back to the to life plan, I think is really, really important. If you're at the stage and not everyone will be, and some people will even be in disbelief that this could happen, but we've seen a lot of stuff and it's totally fine if it's here. Just realize you're going to need more help than a money date or some life planning. But if you purchase things and you hide boxes from your spouse, if you're setting up separate bank accounts to pull money in so you can use a debit card to pull cash out to go do something, if you're hiding accounts just in general for your spending, you open up a separate credit card so you can go put things on it that are no questions asked and you sweep the money from a payment. Things like that where you're actively trying to deceive or to stop a fight so you just spend money in a different way or you buy things and then you make sure you hide the boxes in a closet or something and then open them up when your spouse is not there. These type of behaviors similar to like closet eating when you're overweight and you're trying to hide how much food you're eating. These things are really bad behaviors to have and it's not some conversations can can help. You're you're likely going to have to find some professional support if it's just financially related where you're hiding boxes and you're doing that stuff but everything else in your marriage is great or in your relationship is great, then that is one really good trigger to work with a financial planner who is going to be that independent third party to help you through those things. But it likely won't be the only reason that maybe disagreements are happening. You probably have other relationship issues that maybe need more professional advice through marriage counseling or whatever it may be. So if any of you are listening that are in that piece, please make sure you get some help because that's going to be not only devastating to your finances, but but ultimately devastating to your relationships. And that is literally your biggest investment and what could also be your worst one if you were to get divorced because there goes half of your stuff. So Let's tie that back in kind of positively with the finances. But Taylor, is there anything you'd like to add to this little piece? Just back to the life planning. I think it's good to review and check in on your life plan as things change. And then also creating a life plan. The reason if your spouse is a spender, the reason to help get them in check would be for them to be able to see when you want to retire and put that in numbers and say, we're going to have to work until we're 70 years old if we keep spending like this because we're not going to save enough for retirement. And that's another thing a financial planner can help with, can give you the numbers of how much you should be saving for what lifestyle that you want to have. Ryan and I got to the point where we were doing pretty well and I'm in a stable job now. And I had asked Ryan, when can we just relax about money and not care and just buy whatever? And Ryan said, never. And I'm like, this is the worst answer ever. Like, I thought you would get to some point that you could just do whatever you want and not have to worry. But he put it in good context that said, if if we do that, we're going to have to work for longer and he doesn't want to keep working forever. I'm in a different position. I absolutely love my job. I have the best job ever, the best coworkers, the best patients. And I want want to keep working. I don't want to retire early. I don't know what I would do with my time. So I do want to keep working longer. So that's my bait for Ryan to say, well, let's just spend a little bit more here. But it's good to have a big picture of things of your life. And so if you want to retire when you're younger or, you know, not have to work for so long, it'll help frame things and help your spendy significant other to see why it's important to budget things and focus on what makes you happy. All of that on a recording to make sure that I can say, oh, let's just spend a little bit more. I like it. 
very deceptive, but I, I'm kind of impressed. Not going to lie. And and for me, it wasn't that I wanted to make sure that we can save a whole bunch of money to where we retire early because I am an entrepreneur. As all of you can tell, I've got the podcast and the planning practice and we invest in real estate like I've, I've mentioned on air. I would go absolutely crazy if I was retired early and forced to watch TV and do nothing else because if I didn't have business, what would I be doing? So it's it's not for me the idea of saving and then retiring early. It's having to go to work right now, which is what I have, which I am fortunate because I've created a job that I absolutely love. I love the podcast. I love working with clients. It is uh, the most amazing thing ever. We work from home. I get to see my kids in the morning, take them to school. I get to pick them up and spend quality time in the afternoon together. Like I am so blessed and so fortunate to do what I do, but it's not about retiring early. It's about having the independence to say, I now don't have to work if I don't want to. Or in my case, it would be, okay, now that we have enough money, maybe instead of me making whatever I make, now I can make a little bit less and we hire out something in the business to do that I don't necessarily love doing. And that's that's where I come from. And you know, I think that was a really good perspective, Tay. And hopefully this answered your guys' questions. Again, if you'd like to be featured on the show, I'd love to answer your questions. We are accumulating a little queue and it's cool. So we're going to keep busting through them just like we do with our financial health assessments. So go to financialresidency.com slash question and leave us any question that's on your mind, your most pressing question, the one that keeps you up at night if you'd like. Anything. You can do it anonymous. You can tell us who you are. Just as long as you're part of our community, we want to help you guys. So thank you so much for listening. We're going to sign off from Uluru in Australia. And I will talk to you guys on Friday. But next Monday, we will be... I can't actually pronounce it. Is it Arley? Early Beach? Early Beach? Next Monday, our show will be coming to you from Early Beach, the Great Barrier Reef. We will be out exploring the reef and all the fish and making some new turtle friends. So I've totally realized that I love Australia. I am horrible with pronouncing everything. And they basically treat the R as non-existent. So it's quite difficult for me. But anyway, have a great week, everyone, and see you on Friday. Cheers. Now, before we leave, we have a quick disclaimer, but it is really, really important. You know, thank you again so much for being here. This podcast is about all sorts of nerdy stuff like cash flow planning, budgets, goals, investments, all that fun stuff. While these types of topics aren't the sexiest, you're here and that's what matters. And I really appreciate that because I work really hard at delivering great information in the podcast. But here's the catch. I don't know anything about you or what your financial needs are unless you're already a client. And then that's a totally different story. So please consult with your CPA, your attorney, or heck, reach out to us, fee-only financial planners, before taking any action or making decisions affecting your hard-earned money. All right, everyone. See you on Friday. Take care.